Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to Making the Cut. I am your pretty-eyed sports fanatic host, Mark Atreer, and thank you again for your listens. As always, you can find my links on Facebook. You can click the link there to go listen to me, but you also can go to the Anchor app, which is free, and download it. You can listen to me there, or you can go to anchor.fm and listen to me there as well. And as always, you can go to Spotify. You can follow me on Spotify at Making the Cut. I know they spelled my last name wrong, but it's okay. It won't let me fix it. It is what it is. It's spelled right everywhere else. But you can go follow me there, and it'll alert you when I have my next episodes up, in which those are going to be coming up on Sunday evenings. Hey, football is Sunday, especially pro football, you know, other than Monday night. But that's going to be my time, my weekly uh, podcast, my weekly episodes. And, of course, today we're going to keep going on with our series on the draft recap. I'm going to hit two teams again tonight. Uh, and, you know, I always want to make sure that uh, I speak a little bit about uh, the sports world going on right now. Of course, Olympics, I know I spoke about that. They're, those are still coming up kind of at a lull with that right now. Uh, the NBA finals are still going on. Where's the snooze button, the snoring button, sound effect to go on? Yeah, I know. Uh, but Chris Paul is in there, kind of was kind of hoping he would win it, you know, his time with the with the Pelicans and the Hornets when they when they were here, uh, when he was here. Uh, but they're down three games to two, so it's not looking really good. But maybe they could turn around. Anyway, that's that's enough of the talk of the NBA for me. You know how it is with me. It's kind of boring, and they have stances that I don't like right now uh, that that are division. Anyway. Uh, the MLB All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby was this past week. That was great to set up and watch both of those. Uh, you know, the All-Star Game had a lot more viewership. I think it was like 8 million to 3 million compared to the NBA All-Star Game. So big props to all of those who were watching them. Uh, it was fun to watch. It's always, I, I was telling somebody that, uh, you know, watching the All-Star Game when I was growing up, MLB All-Star Game when I was growing up it was it was the closest thing to watching like the Super Bowl for some reason but it was just you had an opportunity to see all your favorite players all the best players going at each other uh, and so it's always fun for me to watch and uh, speaking of football because you know I love football you know I predominantly speak about football because football is king when it comes to sports for me uh, SEC media days are this week you, you know unless you're Unless you're a big-time SEC or a college football fan, that probably doesn't excite you much, but it does excite me a lot. Uh, now, of course, you're just going to get up there and listen to the coaches and a couple of their players that they bring in. Coach O is going to bring in Derek Stingley and the uh, 43-year-old Austin Deculus there. Uh, I don't. I think Austin Deculus is on like his like his 18th year of eligibility of playing for LSU, and I think he's still trying to learn how to block on on that side. Uh, so hopefully, he does it better this year. But he's there. Uh, going to be one of the main speakers for LSU. Uh, but I'm really excited about this year because last year, the COVID year, really threw things off. I mean, it was the first year with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Mike Leach at Mississippi State uh, to renew that rivalry there between the, you know, in, in Mississippi. That's huge. But these two guys bring energy and uh, not only energy, bring a lot of gifts and Twitter esque worthy statements there. Uh, Lane, Lane, Lane Frost. Lane Kiffin is going to end up uh, talking trash about somebody because he always does. He might throw some jabs out at Saban like he always does. But Mike Leach, 
I was so happy to see that he came to the SEC because the guy is just absolutely nuts. He says stuff all the time. If you don't know who he is, you need to you need to uh, YouTube him and listen to some of his post game conferences, or just when he's calling in, talking to, to to talk shows, whatever. The guy is an absolute. He's an absolute genius, but he just comes off sounding like he's talking about like I don't know, like a weird hippie. Like if you're a hippie, I don't mean to offend you. <laughs> But like this weird guy that when he starts talking, you're like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. But it's absolutely hilarious. So I can't wait to see and hear the sound bites of him talking. Uh, <laughs> all the crazy things he's going to say. I'm really excited about that. I mean, it is always good to have something to talk about during the offseason of football. And so SEC Media Days get you excited. I think we're less than 50 days away from kickoff. Uh, that's huge. I, I know I'm ready. I was watching... The uh, LSU Clemson national title game last night just to be able to, and I couldn't stop watching. I even watched the Alabama Ohio State uh, national championship last night too because I was just so mesmerized with football and so hungry for football uh, that I just kept on watching it. But moving on to, to the episode today, uh, talking about the recap again of the draft. I know uh, you know me, I love the draft. Uh, it's, it's Christmas Day for me. And it's one of those things where I, I just love it. I can't explain it other than I just love it. And uh, and so during the off season, it gives me plenty of time to remind you who your team has, who other teams has uh, drafted. And so I, I wanted to go through these two teams as well because I'm going down the list. The first team I'm going to talk about tonight is the Denver Broncos. Going to re- recap the Denver Broncos. Um, now this is a team that's in a strong division because you have they're in the same division as Kansas City. Uh, and then also the, the Los Angeles Chargers, which Los Angeles Chargers are moving, making moves there on up there. They're going to be in the playoffs probably this year uh, and years to come, too. So it's going to be hard for Denver to keep going. And it's uh, honestly, John Elway is on the hot seat. So he's got to he's got to do something this year. And so there's a lot of talk about who they were going to draft or they're going to draft another quarterback. Uh, with Drew Locke being there, they really weren't really sold on Drew Locke. But I think the organization is actually sold on Drew Locke. They surrounded him with weapons last year. Last year was a different year, so they're going to give him another, um, I guess you would say, a mulligan year or a redshirt year again so that he can actually establish the offense there. And and, and I think with all of the weapons that you have there, and of course they had some injuries last year. I mean, you got three great receivers. You have an amazing tight end. You have a, a stable running backs. They have a pretty decent offensive line, so you have an opportunity for them to take the next step. They're just in an extremely tough division with the Kansas City Chiefs there, with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Clyde edwards Elair. You know the list of the players because they get talked about a lot. Uh, and then also the Los Angeles Chargers, like I said, which is a team to be reckoned with right now. So uh, so there's a lot of talk about them drafting the quarterback. Of course they didn't. They're going to go on with Drew Locke, and I think uh, if they really establish offense for him, uh, like he ran in college, especially with all the weapons they got there for him. Man, you're talking about they, they could be a high-scoring offense and they could be a, a pretty sick team. They've always been known for a good defense. A lot of their defense is getting old. And so when you see their draft picks, you'll see, especially in the secondary, uh, they drafted a lot there uh, to really replenish guys that they lost to free agency, traded away, etc. So let me jump off into it. In the first round, they drafted Patrick Sertan Jr., uh, the cornerback from Bama. Uh, that name sounds familiar to you, possibly if you've been listening to pro football for a long time, watching pro football for a long time. His dad played in the league for a long time. Uh, and also, if you're an LSU fan, you probably know this guy uh, because 
he was signed with LSU. He was committed with LSU until National Signing Day, and all of a sudden, Patrick Sertan Sr. ended up receiving a job at Alabama, and then Junior signed with Bama. I, I don't. I mean, seems kind of fishy, but who am I? Who am I to say anything? Anyway, so he ended up at Alabama, had a great career there, national championship and whatnot. Now he's a first-round draft pick with the Broncos. Let's see if he can really turn around that that defensive backfield, the secondary, see if they can do something there. Moving on to the second round, this is a guy, when I begin to look at it at first and when I begin to uh, analyze it, I thought, man, they I know they lost one running back, and then they really have a pretty uh, crowded running back room. But when I begin to look at it, these guys are they're getting on up there in age. And so you bring in this guy, Javante Williams, North Carolina running back, and this guy was a beast in college. It was him and his and and, um, and his other running back mate. Now I can't think of his name, of course. Uh, but these two guys were thousand yard rushers together, uh, and he was the better of the two. And so you actually have a guy that could be the face of the backfield going in the future. And so you're not only building around what you have there, but you're going to have a chance to be able to have it for years going on. Because let's let's be honest, uh, running backs don't don't last long in the league anymore before they get traded, before they get cut, all that stuff, replaced, you name it. And moving on to the third round, they had two draft picks. Uh, their first draft pick in the third round was Quinn Menares, offensive guard from Wisconsin Whitewater. Yes, not Wisconsin, Wisconsin-Whitewater. Really tiny college up in Wisconsin that you don't know about, you probably never heard of. Most of you probably never heard of it until you just heard me say it. Wisconsin-Whitewater. This guy that, you know, with the good thing about with uh, the draft and everything, you do get to see uh, people's uh, film. You get to be able to watch them. And, of course, he's playing somewhere where he's not playing against, uh, like, SEC defenses or anything like that. But he has all the skills. And to be able to get him in the third round, is a, is a good deal for him. It's actually a perfect spot for them to draft him. And I think he has an op- absolutely a, an opportunity to come in there to contribute right away. And, of course, like I said last week, second through fifth round, really second through fourth especially, you're expecting these guys to be starters, not just contributors. And I wish the Saints would remember that. But moving also into the third round, their second third-round pick was Baron Browning, the off- offense, uh, excuse me, outside linebacker from Ohio State. This is a guy that... Uh, his his a lot of talks for him was he was going to go in the second round or the third round. So this is a good opportunity to pick him up. They are getting old on, like I said, on their defense. So be able to get a guy there that can contribute immediately, and from years to come, he this could be a steal for him going on further. And they didn't have any draft picks in the fourth round. Moving down to the fifth round, they had two picks. Uh, the first one was Caden Stearns, the safety from Texas. Uh, he was one of the guys that was wearing the DBU uh, t-shirts. Uh, back in 2019 when they played LSU. Uh, but this guy can actually ball, and he can, he, he can cover. Uh, he, can, he can lay a hit, and he can cover tight ends pretty decently too. He's not, uh, I mean, he's not going to be able to cover tra- uh, Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski or, or maybe even Kyle Pitts, but he can still cover the majority of the, the tight ends in the league. And he can lay a lick, and he, he's, a, he's a ball hawk guy too. So that's a good draft pick for him, especially in the fifth round. They, they got another safety in the fifth round just to make sure they shore, shore that up and they get that position there, give them something to battle for. And Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana. Now, Indiana was an anomaly this past year because they were an amazing football team in college. That's It's kind of like saying uh, Vandy's going to be a great football team or, or Northwestern's going to be a good football team or Purdue. They were a great football team, and this guy was a leader on the defense. So he has, he has an opportunity 
to not only just be there, he's not going to be a practice squad guy. He's going to be a guy that's going to be getting on the field in a good bit. Moving on to the sixth round, this is a guy that I was surprised it fell as far as he did. Uh, not necessarily because of his production, uh, but because of his skill, because of what he was able to do there with what they had at quarterback and the type of offense they had there in Auburn, the receiver Seth Williams uh, from Auburn. This guy made plays uh, when there was no play to be made. So uh, the only thing about that is he's going into a cloud, a crowded, a crowded receiver room uh, with, with I think, Judy uh, and a couple other guys. My names, names are slipping my mind right now. But he has an opportunity to be there. And if he gets cut, look, there's other teams that could pick him up. This would be a good guy for the Saints to pick up as well if he, if he gets cut. Uh, it could turn into like a Lance Moore type guy, not, not that type of player, uh, more of a Michael Thomas type player, but a guy that you can get up off the practice squad that was cut from somebody else uh, like uh, Lance Moore, like uh, Willie Sneed, guys like that. Moving on to the seventh round where they actually had three draft picks. And these are actually three guys that I thought would go earlier in the draft. Uh, the first one in the seventh round, many LSU fans know him, Kerry Vincent Jr., the cornerback slash safety slash nickel. Uh, I think in the seventh round is a perfect spot for him. When you and I'm not just saying that uh, to pick on the guy, but when you watched LSU and when you watched him playing at LSU, there were some times that he made some incredible plays. But there were so many times when you like the guy is out of position, he's getting burned, uh, and, and so maybe this is an opportunity for him to turn it up. He's a track star. He's really fast. So, but he just just needs to work on his ball skills and his coverage skills, especially uh, not getting. Uh, his eyes allowing him to be beaten with his eyes, honestly. Uh, so maybe he makes a team. I think he does it even in the seventh round because, like I said, they needed to replenish their secondary. Uh, and so that's, it, it could be a match for, for him and for them. Uh, moving to their next pick, Jonathan Cooper, defensive end from Ohio State. This is another guy I thought would go maybe in the fifth round. So this is a good pickup for them there uh, in the seventh round. Uh, I was really surprised he was there. Uh, and it's a guy that can come in and contribute now because, like I said, they're getting old. He can at, at, at the least be a rotational player on the defensive end. And they also got another defensive end to, to cap off their, their draft there in the seventh round. And Mark, Marquis Spencer, defensive end from Mississippi State, another guy. Uh, he's probably overshadowed a lot, but he's a guy that can play ball. And he's going to be a rotational guy. And if he doesn't make it for the Broncos and he gets cut and goes somewhere else, he's going to be a ball player for many years. Uh, I, I say many years, many years football, you know, 10 years at, 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 you know, somewhere around that time. And uh, and he's going to be balling a lot. So that if you're a Denver Broncos fan, you look at this draft and you think this is a pretty decent draft. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's better than some of the people's drafts. Uh, and and they, I think they did a good job. And I think it gives an opportunity, like I said, to be able to, possibly save John El John Elway's job but also give that offense an opportunity to really come into itself with Drew Locke there at the quarterback the receivers are coming back as well maybe Seth Williams gets an opportunity to play because of the injuries that happened last year you never know it could be injuries this year as well so moving on oh before I say that you know I always say uh you know notable undrafted free agents listen I looked at the Denver Broncos free agents that they signed there's really no notable names that doesn't mean to say that there's not going to be any guys that, that were undrafted free agents that go there and end up being stars in the league. Uh, you know, it could be a Priest Holmes or something there, but uh, or, or Pierre Thomas. But 
there was no big names, no no names that stood out and said these guys absolutely should have been drafted. They were on everybody's draft boards and early on in the draft boards. Like last week, Marvin Wilson uh, was was uh, mocked in a lot of people's first round draft pick draft picks early. Uh, so uh, to see him down as an undrafted free agent, that's a big name. That's the reason why I talk about him. Uh, moving on to the next team, the Detroit Lions. Now, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, I listen. You are a true fan. Uh, it, you really love football and you really love your team. And and my heart hurts for you in a sense because they look like they're on the way back to the 0-16 uh, Detroit Lions again. And, uh, I mean, there was a fire sale. Uh, you know, coaching staff, GMs, everything, which it, it, needed, to, it needed to happen because they just weren't going anywhere. Uh, and they weren't improving. They weren't getting better. It was just... Like it was almost like a guaranteed win when your team played against them. So, uh, and I think this year is probably going to be the same thing because they're re, they're revamping, they're re, they're changing everything. Uh, I'm surprised at who they hired at coach. I'm not even going to talk about his name. He came from the Saints too, but uh, off our coaching staff. But I was really surprised. I, I didn't think he was the right fit. But hopefully it works out for them. Let's go through their draft. They had they didn't have that many draft picks, but they did have a lot of undrafted free agents. The thing about this is every person that I'm going to list has an opportunity to play because they pretty much got rid of everybody. And when I say everybody, like Matthew Stafford is no longer there, so you brought in Jared Goff off of that trade. That is not an even trade if you're a Detroit uh, Lions fan because you know you've probably watched enough football, watched enough of Jared Goff to realize, man, this guy's really not that good. And uh, I don't think we're going to do too good having him as a quarterback of our team. And uh, I don't even know who the backups are there. I'd have to research it because uh, Stafford's been there for so long. So you just, you know, who are you going to think that that's going to be the backup? Cause you don't care. You know, Stafford's going to be the guy, uh, but he, it, they made that move and uh, didn't really make a whole lot of sense as a, as a Lions fan, if you're a Lions fan, but uh, I mean, your receiving crew has been uh, just diminished as well. Uh, and so you need as much help as you can get. So let's jump off into it. They need help everywhere. Like you and me and the person that's sitting next to you, we can probably go sign for them and get a contract. And we'd be as, as known as anybody else that's on, just about anybody else is on the team. Uh, first round, Panay Suel, offensive tackle from Oregon. This is a good starting piece for them rebuilding a team. You get the best offensive tackle going into the draft. Uh, I know he set out last year because of COVID, uh, but it, he is the best in the draft. And he's going to show that for years to come. Unfortunately, it's going to be it, you. You won't notice him for a while because of how horrible the team is going to be for a while. Moving on to the second round, another good centerpiece for your defense from Washington defensive tackle Levi Onwuzuriki. And I'm not going to try to say it again. You can go look it up yourself. Going on to the third round, they also got another defensive tackle from North Carolina State. This is a guy that was mocked in the second round and the third round, so they got him in third round. Perfect job. Alim McNeil. This guy can play ball. He has an opportunity, like I said, to go in there and not only start, not only get playing time, but start. He might actually start over Levi. This this guy can ball. Also in the third round, and I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Ify Tu Melafon Wu, cornerback from Syracuse. Now, I can never say his name right, and I'll probably never get his name right unless they say it over and over and over. But he can ball out. He's going to be a huge upgrade from what they have in the secondary already. 
on the opposite side of who they drafted last year from Ohio State. So he's going to be huge there, and he's going to start immediately. Moving on to the fourth round, Amon Ra, St. Brown. And I said it like that so you can really emphasize. This is a receiver from USC. I told you they needed to replenish their receiving crew. This is a good start for them. This guy can ball. This is a guy that probably any other year would have been second round, uh, maybe third round, but they got him in the fourth round. Also in the fourth round, Derek Barnes, Derek Barnes, inside linebacker from Purdue. You're not going to hear much about him because he's from Purdue, but he has an opportunity to go there and play and, and play big time because he can actually play. Uh, he's, he's the quarterback of the defense there for Purdue, and he could ball. He's a smart player. Hopefully his skill set jumps there. It has an opportunity to there. He can grow there and maybe become a great player somewhere else if, if it doesn't work out in Detroit. Finalizing their draft picks all the way down in the seventh round, Jamar Jefferson, running back from Oregon State. Honestly, when you looked at the uh, Detroit Lions depth chart, running back was really probably the only place that they didn't need anybody. They have Kerryon Johnson too. Uh, they have Swift there as well. Uh, so they're pretty much locked down, but adding depth there, I guess, is good. But when you begin to look at what they brought in in undrafted free agents, the first two names are guys who can play at other places. Uh, and honestly, if running back was valued like it used to be, they would have been drafted. Uh, the first the first one is Rakeem Boyd, the running back from Arkansas. The guy is a baller. And Der- uh, sorry, Dedrick Mills from Nebraska. Overlooked because you didn't get to see much from him because of Scott Frost up there in Nebraska. And Nebraska hasn't been relevant in a long time, but the guy can—he's—he's he's a great running back. But they did get him a couple, three, three more receivers that they did undrafted. Jonathan Adams Jr. Uh, from from Arkansas State. This guy can fly. Uh, Javon McKinley from Notre Dame. This is a guy that had an opportunity to be drafted as well. And then Sage Surratt, the receiver from Wake Forest. This is a guy who I absolutely thought was going to get drafted by somebody, uh, but you hit so many receivers in the draft. And so this is a guy that unfortunately didn't get drafted. But hes I, I think he has an opportunity, especially being there in Detroit, uh, if golf can actually throw a daggone pass more than 10 yards, can actually be a great player in the league. Then they also got a couple of tight ends in Brock Wright and Jake Hoosman. Uh, Brock Wright's from Notre Dame. Jake Hoosman is from Ohio State. These are guys that can come in and block. They can also go out and receive some pe- catches. They're not going to be Travis Kelsey-type guys, but they can uh, contribute to the offense immediately, and they need help. They need all they can help, all the help they can get. This is a guy that I thought was going to get drafted, and I'm really surprised that he didn't. And this is the last guy I'm going to talk about because uh, I'm running short on time and I'm taking too much of y'all's time. But the guard from, from Notre Dame, Tommy Kramer, I actually thought he was going to go in like the second or third round, uh, and he actually probably should have. Uh, but they got him as undrafted free agent. There's an opportunity for him to get on that offensive line and start next to uh, Suell. And so, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you know what this year is. What this year is going to be, probably the next two, three years is going to be. You might go through another coach uh, before you get a chance to have a winning season again. Although he could be the answer, they could have learned a lot from Sean Payton. Who knows? But that is my draft recap for the Denver Broncos and the, and the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'll be hitting you up again next Sunday for the, for the next two teams. We're getting closer and closer to football season, uh, and it is really fixing to be the part of the season where if you don't like baseball, you're not going to have anything to really talk about or watch with sports. So start getting up and watching it. Tune in to uh, 
college football media days, SEC media days, especially when Mike Leach is there. I know I'm an LSU guy, and I'm going to tell you, listen to Coach O and Derek Stingley and, and Austin Deculus, but I'm just telling you, listen for Mike Leach. Somebody's going to ask him a question, question, and he's going to say something off the wall about birds flying over the Atlantic or something in Alaska. Who knows? Just trust me. He's, it's, it's worth the watch just for him. And before I go this week, uh, you know, I try to always try to remember to shout out my buddy Tommy Kryzan with Talking Sports with TK. Go give him a listen. Go give him a follow as well. Uh, and as always, go. my link is going to be on Facebook. You can check it out there. Go to anchor.fm uh, or the Anchor app or even on Spotify. Thank you for the listens. Thank you for the shares. Keep sharing me. The more listens, the better. And I appreciate it a, a lot. Uh, and again, this is Mark Atreer with Making a Cut. See you next week.